should you continue to let Michael Gallup slip in your drafts? Is Kenyon Drake a better pick than Joe Mixon in round one? And is Evan Ingram a guy you should be targeting in Football Guys Players Championship drafts? Plus, FFPC licensed casino host Greg Sidoris will give us the latest on Las Vegas and the FFPC live events. And $100,000 high-stakes winner Kevin Scott from TheIntersecting.com co-hosts with me tonight as well. We've got a great show for you. Greg Sidoris and Kevin Scott are here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Let's begin now. New cologne on. Feeling so good. Change the color to my phone. Orange Kool-Aid. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Hey, thanks, Rob. Greetings and salutations, all you Balkaholics. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, of course, your slightly above-average host, Eric Balkman, my co-host, my normal co-host, I should say, is the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. Uh, he actually has the night off this week. Interesting thing about Dizzle, and I forgot to tell this to him today. I was I was listening to uh, Spotify, as I often do at work, and I've been going through a 90s uh, grunge alt-rock phase. I mean, I get my whole music selection is 90s alt-rock grunge. And... Um, I've just been listening to a lot of old albums, and I started listening to some new ones, and Smashing Pumpkins was the choice uh, today. Long story short, can't remember if it was the Oceana album or if it was one of the um, Melancholy and the Infinite, uh, Infinite Sadness uh, deluxe discs, um, but one of them, had, they, Smashing Pumpkins actually have a song called Dizzle, um, and unlike Dizzle, it wasn't very good. Um, so uh, I'm going to move on past that, but um, apparently Dizzle wasn't the first one to have the name Dizzle. Uh, shout out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you all might have in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, uh, you can do so at HSFFR, at Eric Balkman, at David Gerzak. Uh, Greg is on Twitter, at Greg Sidoris, and you can find Kevin on Twitter, at Kevin Scott FF. Facebook.com slash HSFFR is where you can find us. If you want to chime in and talk with us, feel free to give us a call at 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. You can also email the show at the inbox at highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us, now is the time to uh, send them. Uh, we're going to try to get to all the chat room questions, tweets, and emails in the fantasy feedback segment coming up later on in the show. The producer is our mutual friend, Rob. The audio engineer is my best friend, Bryce. And coming up on tonight's show, we're going to get you all the latest news from Planet Hollywood and the live events for the FFPC. We're going to break down Juju Smith-Schuster's potential bounce-back season and much, much more, as we often do on the HSFF Hour. I do want to let everyone know, uh, 
and, and hopefully we'll get to Greg uh, Sidoris here shortly. We're having some technical difficulties uh, bringing him on earlier, so hopefully we'll get to him. We'll, uh, we'll keep after that. Rob and, and Bryce are tirelessly working on, on getting him on the air, just so you all are aware. Um, Want to make you guys all aware of some other stuff, uh, and, and Greg's going to talk about this shortly, hopefully. The live events are indeed a go uh, for the FFPC at Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas. Uh, the main thing I want to bring up tonight is, is not only, if, you know, obviously if you haven't booked your flights uh, and, 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 and booked your rooms, take care of that uh, and do so with the link that we have posted on myffpc.com uh, so you can get your hookup deal there uh, and stay for much cheaper than, than we've ever had before. So make sure you're doing that. Uh, the main event, Early Bird, actually ends in uh, 11 days. Uh, so you, if you want the best deal on any uh, main event team that you're going to have all season long. Now is the time to do it. So make sure you're taking advantage of that. Um, $100 off your first team, $400 off each additional team. Uh, football guys, 2020 players, cha- uh, play, uh, players championship is a $500,000 grand prize, a $3.1 million prize pool. More of an urgent deadline here as the early bird promotion ends in five days. Uh, so make sure that you are registering your team by June 30th, drafting it by July 15th, and then that way you get that free $35 FFPC team credit. That's not everything we have going on. Uh, we have Dynasty Startups, Best Ball Slims, uh, Standard Best Balls, Terminator Satellite, Superflex, all available at myffpc.com. I am getting word from Rob that we have tonight's first guest on uh, the line right now, and let me introduce him. He is a licensed casino host of more than two decades, the owner of Casino Connection USA, he is the owner and operator of Cleveland Baseball Academy, over 30 years as a baseball instructor to more than 10,000 players there. A, a um, uh, AFA All-World shortstop in the 80s, 90s, and 2000, and also uh, did some work out at the Superbook at the Las Vegas Hilton, sportsbook ticket writer and supervisor, odds maker, researcher of all major sports, and most importantly, the creator and originator of the first fantasy football contest held at the Las Vegas Hilton that was available for live wagers to the public. Uh, he is, has been on the show before. Welcoming back uh, him tonight. You follow him on Twitter at Greg Sidoris. It is Greg Sidoris. Greg, welcome back to the program, man. Thanks a lot, Eric. Uh, wow, I, I can't believe I did all that. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> you have a great memory. <laughs> It's uh, it's one of those things, man. You know, like I I hear it once and it just sticks with me. So, and certainly you've led a a very charmed life, no question. And, and boy, I, and I, did I see that right on on Facebook today? Some of the the classic photos of of you in action playing for the Las Vegas Aces back in the day. That's correct. Yeah, back in the uh, '80s and early '90s, I played for a, a high level travel softball team and uh, played with my best friends. We went all over the country, won a lot of games, uh, had fantastic memories. So it was something that I hold dear to me, yes. Well, absolutely. That's awesome. I, I think one of the things, and, and as we get into it tonight, one of the things that I think a lot of the FFPC players have held dearly and, and have created a lot of memories from have been the live events out in Las Vegas. Um, I, I know there has been some news over the last few weeks, we obviously got the go-ahead from Planet Hollywood. Can you tell us the latest on what's going on on the Strip right now as far as things opening up and, and what it's been like out there, to your knowledge? So on June 4th, 2020, uh, Las Vegas, uh, based on the uh, local government and the health authority, 
we began our phase two, which allows us to permit up to 250 people per social gathering to be meeting in, in any in any uh, location, basically, where it was 10, uh, we went from 10 to 250. So that phase began on June 4th. Now, with Caesars Entertainment, who I represent and have been with for almost 15 years, um, we've opened up uh, Caesars Palace, uh, Harrah's, and Flamingo. So we still have six other properties with uh, Bally's, uh, Planet Hollywood, Paris, the Link, uh, the Rio, um, and I'm, I know I'm going to forget another one, but all of our properties have not completely opened yet based on the demand that is, is not there just yet. So we're, we're slowly but surely opening up. Uh, a lot of our staff is still in furlough. Uh, overall, we, we furloughed 90% of all of the workers at Caesars Entertainment. So I know that I'm not sure where the percentage is at right now, but we're, uh, we're gearing back up and we're getting ready for the crowds again. Now, phase three uh, will be again shortly the first week of July or somewhere in that particular time frame. We don't have a set date yet. And with phase three, that's going to lift any requirements on the attendees. So we should be going from 250 to unlimited, which is really important for our FFPC events because on the Thursday night, which is the opening kickoff on September 10th when we have our party planned, uh, we were kind of concerned about, you know, what's going to happen with that if we can't have uh, a large gathering of people because we have anywhere from 400 to 600 people that attend that fantastic event. So we'll be fine with that. Um, of course, right now, if the event was taking place, we'd have 250, but come September 10th, um, we'll be in phase four, and phase four will be scheduled mid to late August, and then all restrictions will be removed. So, so we're, as looking, far as an we're looking good. Right. You know, yeah, no, it it sounds it, it sounds great. Uh, obviously, the the fact that that it went from ten to two fifty and and should be unlimited uh, shortly here that that that's going to be awesome. As far as the experience that players have had in the past, Greg, um, how similar is it going to be to 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 what they've done and to what they're going to experience this year? Well, the the party will be uh, certainly depending on how many people are coming out, but we're getting we're getting a I'm getting a really surprising. A great response. And when I say surprising, because I just wasn't sure how it was going to go uh, based on, you know, the, the way the world sits. So we have a lot of people signing up. There's a couple different ways you can sign up for your room. Um, once you have decided through the FFPC that you're going to be signing up, you'll be able to go on to the myffpc.com. Uh, and there's a link that takes you into what we call passkey and you can book your own room uh, or you can call me and I could book it for you. Uh, there's a couple different categories that players come into Vegas. Some guys are coming in just to draft some guy uh, with the FFPC. You have other FFPC players that um, like to do play casino games. Uh, so I can handle that through our national casino marketing department, which um, kind of categorizes the players to make sure that that player not only is uh, getting um, uh, maybe a comp room or his meals, or whatever the case may be, based on his past play. 
Now, the experience that we see that the FFPC players, uh, I, I think one of the things they're going to actually like is that during the draft, when we have our horseshoe tables out there, and you know the the each team could be in the past three or four feet next to each other, and some of the players, the FFPC players that I've talked to in the past, um, are 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 feeling good about this year because we're actually going to be a little bit spread out a little bit more. So they'll be six foot apart uh, minimum. Uh, from yourself to the next person that's going to be next to you. So you'll have a, a little more room during your draft and all the safety precautions. And I can go over a number of the safety precautions that we're taking, uh, that we're handling over at Caesars uh, during this conversation. But from the standpoint of, you know, the experience, it's going to be a great experience. Um, and, and in some case, in you know, sometimes you go to Vegas and it's so crowded and it's week number one of the NFL season. This may be the year where if you do come out and it's not uh, at full capacity, you may have a little more room to move around. You just, it's, it's going to be a nice experience. So if there's a lack of overall guests throughout the entire city, sometimes that's a blessing. Because there's times when you've, we've all been in Vegas and it's shoulder to shoulder, uh, it's Super Bowl or any of the big events, you know, you can hardly hardly breathe. So this, I think this will give everybody a little bit of breathing room and some comfort. Yeah, and especially if you've never been out to Vegas before, this would be a, certainly a, a good year to go because you're going to have more of an opportunity to experience a lot of stuff uh, that maybe you wouldn't necessarily if you're spending, you know, three or four days out there on a quote-unquote normal week one of the NFL season, too. Um, the discounts that we have gotten for the FFPC group, um, they're actually posted on our website as well as our blog. If, if you're following the FFPC uh, email uh, newsletter that goes out, another one will be sent out tomorrow. Uh, those rates are always posted in there. Basically, with the FFPC group discount, you're getting almost 50% slashed off your room. Um, which is a, a fantastic deal. I mean, you're paying the better part of 300 bucks on, on Friday and Saturday if you're not with it. Uh, you're, you're, you're barely paying over 150 with the FFPC group discount. So certainly it seems like everything is moving in the right direction, Greg. It, it certainly seems very safe to come out there. And it's going to be a different experience, but a good one out there too. And, and I would say, uh, let me just pose this to you. Um, we know that we can contact you, 216-299-5390. Uh, we can email you casinoconnectionusa at gmail.com if we have any questions about booking and so on and so forth. Would you suggest that people just use that link that we've, we've posted on, on our main event page on our website that people are, are seeing in the email? Is that the best way to book? Should they be going through you? What would you suggest people to do? If you're specifically an FFPC player and, and you're not a casino player, then go to the link and book the room, and you're going to get your rates, which the rates for a weekday is $69 for the weekday, and it's $159 for the weekend. Now, I did a comparison with any website, and the lowest rate that I was seeing for a Friday-Saturday was $229 for Friday and $259 for Saturday. And keep this in mind, the resort fee, if you book anywhere else outside of the FFPC and myself, your resort fee is going to be $37, where our contract rate with the FFPC and Planet Holly was $25. So on average, 
if you're staying, whether you're staying a couple of weekdays and a weekend, the average with the resort fees are right, right around $124 a night. If you go the other route and you book on your own outside of the pass key uh, or the FFPC or myself, that rate's turning out to be about $193 a night. And, and, and keep this in mind, this, is, this will be one of the only years that the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, they're not going to play until week number three in Las Vegas. So you're not going to have that crazy rush of everybody coming to Vegas to watch the Raiders play in their home, new home stadium of Allegiant. So once again, um, just the fact that I, I think this year, if you're ever going to need a little more space in Vegas, this will be the year for that. Uh, the rates are ideal. We actually lowered them from when we originally had them and, you know, we're ready to go and all the safety measures are, are going to be in place. And, um, it's very, very important to to us to make sure that you're comfortable coming in. 216-299-5390 is where you can reach Greg. You can also email him, casinoconnectionusa at gmail.com. Greg, my friend, always a pleasure to catch up with you. Look forward to hanging out with you uh, this September in Las Vegas. I really appreciate making the time to, to pop on the air tonight and uh, tell uh, the, the players and the listeners a little bit about it. And uh, now you can go back to reliving your baseball glory days as, as you spend a fantastic uh, Thursday, June night uh, talking about that. Thanks, man. Thanks a lot, guys. Danette and I look forward to seeing you at the Thursday night party when we'll be having our annual uh, giveaway during the halftime. So thanks a lot, fellas. We look forward to seeing you out there. Any questions, give me a call. Absolutely, Greg. Thanks much. We will talk to you soon, my friend. Greg Sidoris, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, our FFPC live events host. Yeah, that giveaway. I always forget about the giveaway at halftime for the party of the opening game. That is always fun. A lot of uh, uh, great beer, a lot of great um, uh, liquor, and, and definitely some giveaways and stuff that you'll want to experience out in Las Vegas that uh, uh, Greg always gives away. So great stuff to hear from him. Once again, 216-299-5390 if you need to get a hold of him for anything. If you're staying out at Planet Hollywood this year, CasinoConnectionUSA at gmail.com is where you can reach him as well. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my next guest, uh, I want to bring him in right now. He's been a fantasy football analyst for Sports Illustrated for 4 for 4, FF Today, Fansided, and Chiefs Wire. Currently runs the intersecting.com and has also released both a draft packet and a plan for the upcoming season. He is a three-time winner of FFPC Best Ball and Dynasty Leagues and banked over $100,000 in high-stakes winnings over the course of his career. You follow him on Twitter at KevinScottFF. Please welcome in my co-host for the evening, Mr. Kevin Scott. Kevin, thank you for uh, co-piloting the ship with me tonight, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It's exciting that we, you know, oftentimes we get high-stakes players on, which you obviously are, but to get somebody um, polished um, with, uh, you know, somebody who's been very active on Twitter, has, has put out a lot of uh, stuff, a lot of production, a lot of content, uh, we always certainly appreciate having somebody like that uh, on. We want to get into that portion of the interview. Can you tell us a little bit sort of how you got into high-stakes fantasy football? And, and then I want you to tell us a little bit about uh, theintersecting.com as well. Sure, yeah. So uh, the, the basic gist for me was about 2008. Uh, I got in my first uh, pay league. I'd been playing for several years in home leagues and was good at it and wanted to kind of test my skills. So I got in a $100 you know, league without telling my wife. I later regretted that, but uh, <laughs> I, I spent a lot of time on it. And uh, 
ended up getting second, and I, I think I won $300, and I just put that $300 back into three more leagues the next year after, of course, you know, telling my wife about it, and she was okay with it. But, um, you know, then after that, each year, uh, I, as I won, I kept investing it all. And uh, it turned out, you know, eventually making, you know, 16, 20, something like that, $1,000 and continuing to invest, not all of it, but, you know, like this, at, at this point, I take my family on um, a, a kind of a luxury vacation every year for free and do some other stuff with it and save some and then still put a bunch in. So it's just kind of a fun hobby for me. It's, you know, at one point I dreamed about making it a, a job, but there's just too much to it to, to make that happen. So um, that's kind of been the last 10 years. As far as, um, as far as the site, it's, uh, it's really just something I just put up uh, all the effort and, and time and research I was putting into studying for my own leagues, both at FFPC and other sites. Um, I just thought, you know, I need to find a way to share this with people, charge a few bucks and make a few bucks back for my time. And that's really all it is. I have some tiered rankings on there that I use when I draft and all of my projections, which is what took most of the time, uh, include risk scores in there and um, kind of uh, just my overall draft plan as well. So certainly people can check that out if they want to. Yeah, and, and it's a good – I mean, I know it just went up, but it's, it's still a good site. You have a lot of great insight on, on Twitter as as well. And um, I, I want to get into some of the stuff that you've been putting out there now. I tried to, when I was putting this together, I tried to center on stuff that you are, that to me you you have strong opinions on. And now maybe you don't have strong Mm -hmm. opinions on on some of these things, but I do want to get into this a little bit. So one of the things that um, I was upset with this year, and and maybe rightfully or wrongfully, was the Cowboys getting CeeDee Lamb to to fall to them in drafts. Because I had a couple of Michael Gallup (laughs) dynasty teams. And, and I really loved the Gallup production last year. It was awesome. And, and I felt like mm-hmm. that was just going to continue. I, and then I got a little bit nervous uh, about Lamb. FFPC owners have done the same thing. Gallup has fallen to the 70, uh, excuse me, 705 as a wide receiver 32, which, by the way, I'm getting this ADP, fantasymojo.com. Darren Armani does a great mm-hmm. job putting all that ADP together, so check that out. But he's a 705 wide receiver 32 over the last four days in the Football Guys Players Championship do you think that's justifiable? Should he be falling to the mid-seventh, or is this just an egregious error and something that you should be taking advantage of if you're drafting in the FPC right now? Well, I'll tell you what. Um, it makes me laugh when you say that, it, that you're upset about it because uh, he's on your dynasty team. I think that can be one of the hardest things is when you invest in a player and have him in dynasty. I, I've had several guys like that where then it just turns a switch and he's no longer as valuable and it hurts so badly. But I do – I will say that I, I think that the ranking's about right. I think um, he uh, he's a good player. I like Gallup. I think he's got a lot of a lot of continuing upside. I don't think that the Lamb pick zaps his upside by any means. Um, I think that he'll continue to get – I have him getting about the same number of targets as he got last year in my projections, which he got 113. I think he'll be right around that same spot again. So I, as far as his production, I mean, the Cowboys are an incredibly productive offense. I think he'll – He'll continue to produce, but I think um, he will probably take a step back in the touchdown department. If if I'm right about Lamb, I have Lamb scoring six times. I think he's going to be a beast down near the the goal line. I don't know if you saw any of those drills at the at the combine when he was jumping out of the gym and catching those balls with one hand. I think he's a, is a really special talent, um, and I think that they will find a way to use him. And and not that Gallup's not not special, but I think he's more like a, like a second fiddle. I think eventually Lamb will be a, a number one option 
um, whatever team he's on is once he gets his feet wet. So I think it's about right. I mean, I have, I have almost no Gallup because um, in the seventh, I'm usually drafting somebody else that we'll probably talk about later. Um, and then he's gone, but I, I do value him. And, and, you know, speaking as a Packers fan and, and watching Mike McCarthy coach the, the Packers, you know, over the last decade plus or whatever it was, you know, it seemed like he would rather cut off his, his, his pinky fingers than, than go with a set that wasn't three wide out. So he used that a ton in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. I would expect him to use it a ton in Dallas, too, which is definitely going to affect uh, Gallup in a positive way, too. Um, okay, right. so right around that same spot, Kevin, in, in, in FBC drafts, Rob Gronkowski is, is going at the 707. He is the tight end 11 right now, uh, the way high-stakes players are, are selecting him. Is that where you expect him to stay for the near future and, and throughout the preseason? Or do you think he's going to move up? And should he move up as far as how people are drafting him? Yeah, I think he'll stay there for a while uh, until we get more information on how the offense is shaking out, how um, how he's you know doing in the new offense. But as soon as you start hearing positive reports out of camp, you know how that affects the ADP. I think Gronk has a special place in a lot of people's hearts, not only because he's a goofball, but also because he's um, he, he always produced when he's on the field. Um, and I think because he's with Brady, uh, we know that Arians doesn't target the tight ends as much in his offense. But Brady, it sounds like he's going to, you know, get a lot of 12 personnel on the field. It sounds like he's going to find his way to get Gronk and be a, be a security blanket. So, obviously, it depends on health. But if for me, I, I'm not – I have not taken him before the seventh because – uh, of, of the risk factor and the unknown with the new team. But I did take him in one of the, in one of the football guys championships in the seventh, because it was one of those drafts where the, the tight ends went early. And I needed a guy I think has upside to finish in the top five or five, top, at least top 10. And he certainly does. Uh, if he's on the field, he stays healthy. I think he, he will probably be a top five score. Um, I've, you know, you had the question about OJ. Um, does, does he get, you know, are they splitting time? And, and probably so, because they want to keep Gronk healthy. But, uh, man, the guy just always produces when he's on the field. Do you think, you know, the, the layoff, I mean, it seems, I mean, like, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's the layoff for Gronk, you, you think that's going to have a minimal impact um, on his production right away? Yeah, I really don't think it will it will hurt him. I mean, he seems he seems healthy. It seems like he's probably healthier than he was when he was playing. Um, I, I don't know the physical aspects of, you know, how, how that's going to affect your body. Maybe I'm off on that, but, um, yeah, I, I don't really, I haven't really factored in the layoff, um, making him start slow or anything. The main thing you want out of a, an athletic move tight end is just to be quick. And if he's lost all that weight and, you know, he knows how to run routes, um, aside from getting injured because he's been out of the, out of the league, I don't, I don't really see the risk there. Kevin Scott joining the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour tonight, co-hosting with me, uh, talking about his uh, his draft guide, his website, uh, and 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 Football Guys Players Championship ADP, which I think people always care about any time of the year, and especially as we're coming up on July here, pretty quick, uh, we're paying special attention to it. I want to continue the tight end conversation here with you, Kevin. FPC drafters are are picking Evan Engram uh, at the five eleven on average as the tight end six. Now, to me, that seems a little early. I don't think I'd be willing to take Engram then. Um, how, how, what, how do you fall in on that? Is, is that a good spot for him, uh, for you there, or would you be passing? Yeah, it's way too early for me as well. I, I, I don't love Ingram in general. 
Um, I think he's a talented guy, but um, has just never been able to stay healthy. On top of that, he's, he's dealing with a quarterback that was fine last year. He certainly put up stats, Daniel Jones, but he, um, he was not the most accurate. And um, they, they're getting back Sterling Shepard. He'll be healthy. And, you know, Golden Tate, all these guys will be on the field. He had a good rapport with uh, whatever that rookie receiver's name was. Can't remember right now. Darius Slayton, that's it. Um, Wait, so, yeah, yep. I, I think it's just a, an issue of not enough targets to go around probably for him to justify tight end six. For On, on my, my board, because of his risk factor and because of the other guys I have above him, I have him all the way down at tight end 13. So uh, hmm. I wouldn't even consider him before the eighth or ninth. He's, he's not a guy I'm looking to draft. Um, DJ Moore is a guy that I was all over last year. Loved him. Uh, my, my normal co-host Dave Gerzak loved him as well. We, we both drafted him a ton and, and we reaped the benefits last year. Um, he's got a new quarterback this year and, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, not saying that his quarterback play last year was, was all that stellar with Kyle Allen and, and, and everybody else there. But what are his chances in your opinion, Kevin, of him outperforming that 310 spot he's going, uh, with ADP right now? as the 11th wide receiver drafted. Um, to me, I, I still really like him there, and I think he has a great shot of, of outperforming that quite a bit. Yeah, he, uh, he's one of my favorite players. Um, I, I could not believe what he did last season uh, with that crappy quarterback play. Um, he, he did great with Cam Newton in week one, but even with – I mean, Kyle Allen, the guy had 135 targets. I know it's a new offense, but it just shows you how much he was getting open. Um, you know, 87 catches, uh, 1175 yards, just really impressive for an offense that had a hard time moving the ball outside of Christian McCaffrey and, and with such bad quarterback play. I think Teddy Bridgewater is a huge upgrade over Kyle Allen and probably over Cam Newton, at least what Cam Newton was doing early in the season last year. Um, I think Bridgewater showed he, he has lots of, uh, accuracy and the short to intermediate stuff did great with Michael Thomas while he was in there. Um, and that's the same kind of player DJ Moore is. He's an, he's a precision route runner. He's has really good hands. He's good after the catch, um, good at the catch point. I think he's, he's going to be very good uh, with Teddy. And I think that they'll, they'll just pepper him with targets. So I just don't see when a guy's probably, I mean, I think I have him projected for 150 targets or somewhere in there. Um, I don't see how he's not going to be, um, you know, effective. Plus, he runs the ball some. I have him. I have him rated in my top, like top five, top six receivers overall this year. So if I, I'm waiting to draft him until I get to the third, just because that's where he's falling. But if he started going in the second, I would still consider taking him there. I think he's got that much upside. Um, just as a sidebar with the with the Pan- Panthers and Bridgewater. Um, you know, obviously McCaffrey is, is, has been going anywhere between the 101 and 102 in pretty much every draft I've seen so far this year. Uh, you and I both like more. Do you like any other pass catchers there? Yeah, Curtis Samuel, Ian Thomas, are you a fan of either of those guys in, in 2020? Yeah, I, I've taken um, Curtis Samuel a couple times in, like, in the late, late rounds, like 16th, 17th. He's falling all the way down. And I think it's hard to know how he's going to um, – be, has, how they're going to use him in the offense since they've got Robbie Anderson. He was their deep threat last year, and that you would assume that's what they're going to do with Anderson. Um, but I think Kurt, I've heard them talk about Curtis Samuel, them using him a lot as, you know, uh, close to the line of scrimmage, take some end arounds, some quick quick throws, you know, more like in the slot kind of guy. And I think 
with his after the catchability, he could be a great value late in drafts, especially because Robbie Anderson's kind of a kind of a hit or miss player. And uh, yeah, I like Ian Thomas. I, I wouldn't take him before, you know, double digit rounds for sure. But I think he's got some good upside. Um, the thing, the thing, okay, I'd, so, the other thing I'd say is the Panthers' defense is just bad, and so they're going to be playing from behind right. almost every game. You know, they're going to be throwing it like crazy. And and it helps too uh, playing in that division. You know, where where they have right. to to you know, it's going to be some some boat races with Tampa exactly. and and yep. with New Orleans and Atlanta. I mean, everybody there. So there there could be some big time shootouts there for Carolina. Okay, so what, speaking of dynasty, as we were earlier. I got Darius Geis in um, two or three of my leagues as, as like the 102 or whatever he was going um, in uh, back mm-hmm. in uh, when he was a rookie. And it, it, right. it stunk because of that really bad knee injury he had in the preseason. Uh, we, we saw flashes last year. And, you know, now it, largely, it, I mean, I know there's Antonio Gibson there, but largely it's, it's kind of the same as it was last year. Um, I know they brought Barber in, and, and they still have Bryce Love, but to me it seems like it's going to be Peterson and Geis. You know, when you weigh the injury factor here, Kevin, with, with Darius Geis, as well as how good he could be if he's right, should he be a target for you or a fade for you this season? Yeah, he's one of my – I don't know if you saw this on my Twitter, but he's one of my biggest targets. Um, I. It, it's basically I can't quit the guy. I was in the same boat as you. I, I drafted him a bunch in Dynasty. And when I watched his college tape, I was like, there's only been a couple guys that I watched and I was like literally wanting to jump up and down. I remember watching Gurley and seeing his explosion uh, through the line. And the Geist was the same thing. I mean, this guy is a tackle-breaking machine. And, his, and he has speed, too. It's not just that he's like a bowling ball. The guy can just fly. So I was I have been so excited to see him play, and every time he's gotten on the field, he's looked great. It's just it's honestly been fluky with some of the injuries. He got pulled down from behind by New England, and then you know the the injuries last year were a little bit like you know just unlucky. And so I don't really see him as he's going to be facing injuries every year. I think obviously we can't know that. It's one of those things you got to factor that in. And yeah, the guy might be hurt again, and. If he is, maybe that's the last chance he gets from a lot of us. But I think he has league-winning potential. If he gets, if he gets ten touches a game, um, he'll definitely pay off where he's going, which is about the seventh round. Uh, if he gets fifteen to twenty, if he establishes as a clear lead back, he he will be a league winner um, because the guy he's going to produce every time he touches the ball, he's going to move the ball forward. So, I love the guy. Dwayne Haskins looked pretty good at the end of last season, too, and, and so that Washington mm-hmm. offense should be better. Darius Geis is going as running back 32 at the 702 right now in football guys drafts. That's right behind Mark Ingram and Damian Williams. It's right ahead of Ronald Jones and Alexander Madison. So certainly a lot of ceiling there with Geis, no question. Um, when you've been mm-hmm. drafting these high-stakes teams over, over the years, Kevin, um, and let, let's say somebody is, has never drafted one before. Let's say they've never participated in the Football Guys Players Championship, the FFPC main event, anything like that. Um, being a veteran, what's the best advice that you would give these players who are just getting their feet wet for the first time? Um, I think the main thing is to know uh, exactly who you like and why. Have your rankings completely drilled down. Um, for me, doing, doing projections has helped a lot because it makes me think more deeply about 
changes to the offense, the changes to the coaching staff, um, who else is there, and, the, and kind of examine exactly what I think is going to happen, and that really help, has helped with rankings. But however you do it, have your rankings ready. I would suggest having tiered rankings so you can kind of, with all the positions in front of you. And then at that point, if you are ready, then my advice would just be to let the draft come to you. See what, what positions are, are going on runs and adjust. You know, be, you can be contrarian if you want to. You can, you know, go zero RB or make a plan, but you can't, you can't go in and knowing exactly what you're going to do. You have to be able to adjust as it happens is what, that's what I'd say. What's your position on zero RB? Have you done that much this year? Have you done it in the past? What's been your experience when, when you uh, utilize that strategy, Kevin? In the past, I've had a lot of success with it, especially a few years back when, when receivers uh, were the stuff and there was a lot more depth <laughs> at running back. Um, I think my position this year is you can make it work. Like the winner of one of these big sweepstakes leagues may just be a zero RB if they hit on every single pick. I would say it's probably going to be a modified zero RB with grabbing at least one back in the first and then, you know, four receivers, a tight end kind of thing next. And then you just have to hit. You got to get lucky. Like you got to get and Ronald Jones and, you know, Damian Harris and then Sony Michelle goes down. You just got to get lucky and all those guys hit and then you can win. But in a standard league, we're not talking about sweepstakes. I would, I would strongly suggest against zero RB this year. And in my draft plan that I mentioned, that's one of the things I say is I think most leagues will be won by a team that, that grabs two running backs in the first two rounds, because if you wait, uh, you're, you're toast. You know, you could uh, you can make it up with the other positions a little bit. There's a there's a ton of depth with tight end this year, and receiver. Um, but yeah, running back is I would definitely not go that route this year. I, I've definitely drafted more than I normally have at this point uh, this year, and some of my favorite teams I think have been running back running back starts. You know, it's just. And, mm-hmm. and you mentioned it, like with, with the wide receiver depth and everything, I think you can cobble that together, um, and, and especially when you pepper in an elite tight end. These, At least on paper, right. uh, these teams uh, look pretty good. We'll, we'll see, you know, when the rubber meets the road, how they turn out. But I'm liking the running back, mm-hmm. running back start. Um, we're going to get to some more emails coming up later on in, in the show before the uh, top of the hour here. But I do want to read a couple of you uh, that, that came in specifically for you, Kevin. Um, Ed in Los Angeles uh, writes, do you like Marquise Brown or any Ravens receivers at their current ADP this season? Thanks, Kevin. That is Ed in Los Angeles. Ed, thanks so much for the uh, email. I'll just tell you right now, as far as um, ADP goes for Ravens receivers, now Marquise Brown is is wide receiver 28 uh, at the 609. But then you're looking at, like, you know, Miles Boykin at the 18.05, um, super late. Willie Sneed isn't even being drafted right now. Um, you know, I don't – Julio Scott is kind of an afterthought on that offense. So, I don't know how much, you know, stock you put into either Boykin or Marquise Brown. How do you fall in on that this year with the Ravens wide receivers, Kevin? Uh, yeah, I'd say that um, I really do like Marquise Brown to take a step forward this year. Um, in my projections, I have him at 118 targets, which is a pretty big step up. Uh, he's such a great deep threat too, so he doesn't he doesn't have to have a crazy high catch percentage to to produce. He's not much of a red zone threat, and so you'd be depending on him catching long touchdowns. But you know, neither is Tyree Kill, and he was the number one wide receiver a couple years ago. So um, <laughs> you know, I I, I hear that. Um, Harbaugh's been talking up them working more on their deep passing and that that's kind of the next step in their evolution as an offense and all this. But 
I have my doubts about whether Lamar Jackson is ever going to be um, an excellent deep ball thrower. I think his deep balls are, are predicated on them freezing the defense with the play action. So maybe that will work. Um, I am willing to draft Marquise. I've almost gotten him in a couple of these football guys championships leagues um, where he's gone just ahead of me. I think the seventh is a fair spot for him. As far as the other receivers, um, talent. But I just don't see him getting enough enough targets to make him viable. Same thing with Devin DuVernay. I really love him uh, as, a, as a talent, um, a young guy, this, a rookie this year coming in. But you know, rookies take some time, plus no off-season stuff. So um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it, either of those guys uh, doing much this year. Yeah, Duvernay is the other guy. I forgot he's going 1907 as wide receiver 91 in in uh, the FPC right now. And just for um, for you know, just for accuracy's sake, Marquise Brown, I, I think I said 609 as wide receiver 28. That's right behind Ty Hilton. It is right ahead. Uh, excuse me, right behind Ty Hilton and Stephon Diggs, right ahead of the Bengals receivers. A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd. So that is where Marquise Brown is going if you are trying to target him in, uh, in those drafts. One more email here, uh, Kevin. This is Jeremy in New York. Normally I don't take rookie running backs too early, but I'm having second thoughts about drafting Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the mid-second. If I pass on him there, am I missing the boat on a potential league winner? Thank you for the email, Jeremy in New York. I know we touched on him a little bit before, but that was mostly from a Damian Williams perspective. Clyde Edwards-Alaire here, Kevin, <clears throat> excuse me, in the mid-second, is, is that a guy that you want to get on board with, um, especially if you're starting off running back, running back? So I would say uh, it's a, an interesting answer to his question. Yes, if you skip Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you are skipping a potential league winner. But I will – and this is coming from a, a lifelong Chiefs fan. I've been a Chiefs fan all my life. I love these guys, and I'm super excited about the pick. But I have zero Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, um, and I can't justify drafting him in the second round. It's similar to Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's my favorite player. I cannot justify drafting him in the second round. There's just too much of an opportunity cost to take him there. And with Edwards Hilaire, um, with, with the Chiefs um, saying at least they want to give Damian Williams um, continued work, um, and with him being a rookie and it taking some time for most rookies to get into the full swing of things, I just I think he might pay off at the end of the season if he takes over the workhorse role, but there's such a risk that he doesn't. Uh, that I just don't think uh, it's not something I'm willing to do because of where he's going. If he if he falls to the mid third, I would I would consider it there. Do you have um, a- any other favorite league winners that that you want? I mean, don't give away the the whole draft plan, <laughs> but but <laughs> do you have any other favorite league winners that that you want to share tonight that that you you've been targeting in your drafts? Depends on uh, which section of the draft. Like I think of it in in sections, but um, I would say. I would say some of the guys that I really, really love this year are DJ Moore mentioned him. I love AJ Brown. I've been getting him a ton in the fourth. I think he makes the the leap to being a a top, you know, 10, 15 guy this year. Um, I've been getting a lot in the first couple rounds. It really just falls to those, those running backs. Uh, Some of the tight ends that I love uh, that I've been targeting a lot are um, if I don't get one of the top guys would be, Noah Fant, I think he's going to take a big step this year. The offense is going to improve a lot. Um, I even like Blake Jarwin. I, I've been getting him a lot in the ninth and 10th, uh, especially in these tight end uh, premium leagues, uh, just because I think with Witten leaving, even though they've got all these other receivers, Jarwin's going to play the vast majority of the snaps. And um, Dak has always targeted the tight end quite a bit. So I think he's athletic enough. He's going to 
he's going to pay off. I'll preface this next question by by saying that that you know Edwards Alaire is a guy you mentioned. I know Evan Engram you you mentioned earlier is is a guy that that you're not drafting at at his current spot. What who, what other players, uh, especially early round guys, have you been avoiding on purpose that you want no part of at their current ADP? And then uh, if there was another player, I know you just mentioned a bunch of them. If there is another player uh, that you have been targeting in the mid to late rounds um, in, in your draft, Kevin, how how would you answer that two part question? Yeah, the, uh, the as far as avoiding, one of the main guys I've been avoiding, which is a very controversial take, um, is Juju Smith Schuster. Um, he is he's back to being a darling. If you listen to these podcasts across the board, um, established <laughs> the run, loves the guy. Um, you know, some of these other podcasts, uh, just talking nonstop about him. And I, I get it. it it's, uh, you know, he did great things with Ben, but I will not touch him. I, I wouldn't take him before the fifth or sixth at the earliest. And my reasoning is that, A, Ben is uh, coming back from an injury that usually takes 18 months when you're a pitcher. Um, he's using his arm just as much as the pitcher with this Tommy John thing. Uh, who knows if he's going to have that go back, go south. Uh, if he if it does, they have no nobody behind him, right? We already learned that. Um, if uh, as far as Juju his performance last season, we talk about how bad Duck Hodges was and so forth. But everyone is big on Deontay Johnson for a reason because the guy straight outperformed Juju all year. I mean, he broke. I think I I, I looked it up. I think he broke nine tackles after catches, and Juju broke zero. Uh, their, his catch rate was way higher than Juju's, and and true, Juju had the higher Mostly, most likely always had the higher corner on him, the higher rated corner, but he just laid an egg last year. I think he could, he could certainly come back if he, you know, dedicated himself to getting better this off season. You can never count that possibility out, but I just think that's too early for him in the third round, uh, even the fourth round. Um, other than that, I'm avoiding all LA chargers. Eckler I'll consider in the late second, just because of the, the running back situation. But I think the chargers are going to take a big step back on offense with Tyrod Taylor or the rookie, either one, I think they're going to struggle. Uh, so that includes Keenan Allen. Um, I'm avoiding him. Um, yeah, th- those are some of them. I always avoid Amari Cooper because he's burned me too many times. There's another one I think of. <laughs> That's good stuff for sure. <laughs> um, and, and, um, and as far as like, so let, let me ask you this. Let me, let me frame this question this way. Um, I, I, to me, and I don't know, maybe this is obvious or, or maybe it's it's lazy on my part, but I tend to, in the mid to late rounds, that, that's where I'm throwing these running back darts. Um, you know, guys mm-hmm. like uh, Eno Benjamin. Um, who's another guy that's that's going? Uh, Damian Harris. I, we got an email coming up about mm-hmm. uh, Damian Harris. Um, but uh, like Edo Smith in the past, Giovanni Bernard, I, I feel like I'm always rooting for a Mixon injury because I always seem to have Bernard <laughs> on teams where I don't have Mixon, which not that I'm rooting for injuries, but you know what I mean. Um, it, yeah. it, I mean, is that a smart strategy to try to win $500,000? Am I doing it the right way? If, I mean, I'm not obviously participating in these leagues, but am I doing it the right way to try to win leagues by taking these these running back stabs late, is that is that what you would recommend doing? Is that something that you've done in the past to to some success? Yeah, I think it can be running backs. Uh, it can be any position, honestly, except quarterback. I mean, obviously, I'm saying running back, receiver, tight end. All of those, especially in an FFPC like this football guys format or any of the FFPC formats, where you can you can flex those positions. You get a guy who is 
who is going to provide, let's say, a sixth-round value in the 15th round, it's going to potentially win you that league. It doesn't matter what position it is. Um, I think that it's smart of you, yes, to, to target backs a lot in those situations because of the relative um, thinness of the back uh, of, of that position. Um, especially another reason is because these rookies hit a lot because it, that you don't need a lot of experience in the league uh, to be effective. A, a rookie running back can come in and explode right away because it's so much about blocking and reading, reading the blocks in front of them, which is a skill they already have. So, yes, but I, I would just say I wouldn't do that at the expense of keeping your eyes on guys who are more likely to hit. So if you have a, a receiver on the board who's fallen uh, to the 15th round, like, a, a you know, a Curtis Samuel or, a you know, Michael Hartman or somebody like that, it's just as good to grab one of those guys and get paid off as it is to, to grab like a, you know, Benjamin, especially if the back has a lot of guys in front of him and his chances to get on the field seem slim. Uh, you have a podcast, Kevin, uh, launching soon with uh, a, a longtime uh, high-stakes player, Kyle Leith, that, that you guys are going to be doing. Tell us a little bit about uh, when you think that's going to be launched, and then obviously where people can find you on the web and, and social media. And one thing, <clears throat> the one thing I really want to center on is how people can get uh, a copy of, of the draft packet, the draft plan that you put out this year. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Uh, so the podcast is called the Lowdown Fantasy Football Podcast. Um, we're working on it right now, and we should be releasing it within the next week or two. So if people uh, follow me on Twitter or Kyle on Twitter, they will see the updates about that. My my Twitter handle is at Kevin Scott FF. So if they follow me there, they'll see that um, they'll see that information. And Kyle is just at Kyle Leaf. Um, as far as uh, the draft kit and all that projection stuff I was talking about, if people are interested in that, they would just go to the intersecting.com and there's instructions on how to, how to sign up for that. And, and what I also do is send out an update in mid-August uh, with all the projections updated based on any new signings or new developments. So that's about it. And it's not expensive either. Uh, you know, I mean, you're, 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 you, you talk about like, oh, I just wanted to make a couple of bucks. That's basically all you're charging is a couple of bucks. Right. It's 10 bucks, yeah, for all of it, yeah. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. All right, so we're gonna, we'll get into more of that uh, before we get out of here. I do want to get to some emails here that came into the show. Um, and, and, Kevin, can, you can help me answer these. The first one I'm going to kick things off with is John in Pittston, PA. Not Pittsburgh, but Pittston, apparently. Uh, <laughs> hey, guys, I really am getting married to the idea of taking a running back first when I have late first rounds in the FPC. My question is, who do you like better there between Kenyon Drake and Joe Mixon, as both seem to be pretty polarizing this season? Well, Joe Mixon seems to be polarizing every season especially on Twitter. Uh, thank you. Uh, he says, thanks so much. That's John in Pittston, PA. John, thank you for the email. We appreciate it. Um, so, let, Kevin, let's talk about this here. If you are deciding between Kenyon Drake and Joe Mixon in the late first, which which guy are you taking? Man, um, I hate to say it, but I'm taking Mixon. Um, Mixon is a tear up for me, and I have him projected for about 30 more points than Drake. I think Drake probably has more upside, and – um, is possibly already in a better situation, as, you know, with his offense. But I do think the Bengals will take a, a step forward with Burrow and, you know, getting hopefully getting A.J. Green back. It doesn't hold out or whatever. Um, I think Mixon has – they're both extremely talented. I think Mixon is probably a better overall back. He's, he's really good at everything. Um, you know, great, 
great vision, great great balance, good speed, great receiver out of the backfield. Drake is probably just like a little bit of a tear down. Um, it really just depends on uh, how effective the offense gets uh, in, in Arizona. If, if Hopkins kind of helps take them to the next level, then certainly Drake could pay off. I think it's probably just a preference thing. But the truth is if you have the 10th or 11th pick, there's a chance if you take Mixon that Drake's going to fall to you in the second. He's, he's done that quite a bit. So it might be worth taking that gamble. Yeah, one of the other things to keep in mind, too, with Mixon is, you know, they're, they're getting the, the, the big uh, uh, Jonah Williams, I think his name is, the dude they took mm-hmm. early uh, last season, missed, missed the whole season because of the, the pack. So the offensive line should be better. Obviously, the, you know, you'd like to think the quarterback play would be better, even though Burrow is a rookie, getting A.J. Green mm-hmm. back. I, you know, I love Tyler Boyd. I, I think that offense. And then T. Higgins, you add that. Uh, that offense it could be ready to pop off. I think, you know, it's interesting because um, – they they have to play the Ravens twice. They have to play the Steelers twice. They have to play um, the Browns twice. And I don't think any – I mean, maybe the Ravens are, are a really good defense, but the, I don't think that the other two defenses are world beaters. I mean, they're they're decent, but um, they, there, there should be some, some Bengals games this year where that offense pops off, and, and certainly Joe Mixon is going to be a beneficiary of that. I want to keep it in the same division here, and this is a – a question you kind of already answered, but well, let's come at it a different way. Um, this is Charles and Damon, Texas. Dear Balky and Kevin, what are the chances that Juju Smith-Schuster bounces back to what we saw from him with a healthy Ben Roethlisberger in 2018? Okay, so we know, and thank you for the email, by the way, Charles, on that. We know how you feel about Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, he is going as wide receiver 13 at the 311. Amari Cooper, DJ Moore going right ahead of him, Calvin Ridley, A.J. Brown going right behind him. Um, If you are not a fan of Juju Smith-Schuster, and and saying both is an appropriate answer to this, Kevin, um, is it because you're you're liking the step forward that Deontay Johnson made last year, or you're not totally convinced that that Ben Roethlisberger is all the way healthy, or like I said, both? How How do Johnson and Big Ben figure in into this? You know, I think it's it's both and one more thing. I think that it's that Juju was a bit overrated coming out of the previous season. Uh, when he put up 100 and I guess he had 165 targets, I think it was, and Antonio Brown had 167, something crazy. Um, I just think that, you know, people have talked about that whole thing with, you know, having Antonio Brown on the other side, but I think that that really can't be overstated how huge that was. I mean, Antonio Brown was the best receiver in the league. He was always getting the number one corner, and usually he was getting double help from the safety over the top. So Juju literally had one-on-one coverage the whole season, feasted on it, and that's good. I'm not saying he's not a good receiver. I think he – I said on Twitter in a a thread I had about him, I think he's a very good receiver or at least a good receiver, but that doesn't mean he's elite. And I think people – made that jump and assumed he was elite because of those numbers when so much of it was based on Antonio. And yeah, I, I'm scared about Ben and I do like Deontay. So all of them, all three. Um, Deontay Johnson. I just want to bring this up real quick, just to get your thoughts. Wide receiver 34 at the 801. Uh, good spot for him ahead of Brandon cooks, ahead of Julian Edelman behind Gallup and Fuller. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I think I like Edelman more than him a little bit, uh, but then he's got a he's got nobody at quarterback. So yeah, I mean I I do think that's about right. I think Deontay has has big upside. Again, it depends on Ben's health. 
so it does make me a little nervous in the eight. But um, I think he's I think he's going to have a great year if Ben stays healthy. Two more emails I want to pound out here before we say goodnight. Pat in Minneapolis, curious to get your thoughts on whether Damian Harris is actually a running back to own in New England this year over Burkhead, Michelle, or White, given their ADPs. Thanks, guys. That is Pat in Minneapolis. So let's tackle the ADP here uh, first. I believe James White is going first among Patriots running backs. Running back 38 uh, at the 810. That is right ahead, literally right ahead of Sony Michelle as running back 39. Uh, he is going at the 902. Then you get into the Damian Harris aspect. Uh, running back 56 at the 1304. I don't know where Bur- Burkhead is even going. Burkhead is. Running back 83 at the 1905, so he's basically free. So you're mm. looking at essentially mm-hmm. James White in the eighth, Sony Michelle in the early ninth, um, and then uh, Damian Harris is the one in question here in the 13th. Which, if you could only draft one, which is the one that you're going for here, Kevin? I've done it almost every draft at the football guys. I'm taking Harris if I can only draft one. In a perfect world, I, c- I would get both Michelle and Harris. Uh, you know, and white is fine if you if you're looking for a, a PPR like a um, a floor kind of option, a flex option. But uh, Harris, he could be completely worthless. We know the way Belichick treats running backs, and he just does what he wants. Uh, <laughs> he could he could get two two games of starting <laughs> reps and then go back to the bench the rest of the season. We have no idea. But I do think he may be the most talented back just based on what we saw in college. Uh, Sony Michelle has never been very impressive in the NFL. He, he seems to lack burst. He's good around the goal line, but he doesn't impress me much with his um, with his just athleticism. He just seems a little bit slow. Uh, Damian Harris was was very special at Alabama. I think it just depends on whether Belichick wants him to to be uh, the starter. I think if he is, he could he could blow up. So for me, he's you're getting. I, I usually take him in the 13th or 14th. You're getting a lottery ticket, right? I mean, he's worth. He, he would presumably be second in line for those first and second down touches. Uh, I don't really think Burke has much of a challenge there. So, uh, hey, Michelle had the foot surgery. I think he's worth a roll of the dice. Yeah, I, I'd much rather take Harris in the 13th than, than Sony Michelle in, in the ninth. It's interesting because I was actually ticked off in my dynasty league that I didn't – I don't think I got Michelle anywhere. Oh, no, I take it back. I got him in one draft. And I was ticked off. I didn't get him more. And now I'm actually thrilled <laughs> you know, that, I, that, I, that I avoided him so much. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. You were really smart. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 We're really lucky, uh, I guess. We went from unlucky to lucky. One final email here tonight uh, for you, Kevin. First time drafter in the Football Guys Players Championship and a first time listening to your podcast this season. I like what I'm hearing. And I'd love to hear more on how I should handle tight ends in these drafts for maximum value at all the positions I need to draft. Tony in Centralia, Illinois. Thank you for the email, Tony. Uh, Kevin, you know, you draft in a, in a lot of different formats. The, the FFPC obviously being a tight end premium. How do you sort of handle that? I mean, are you going, are you going harder after the elite guys? Are you letting guys fall to you? Um, are, are you just, you know, throwing out the, the tight end position completely? How do you sort of handle that when you're trying to, to win a half million bucks? Yeah, historically, in, I've played in FFPC, I think, three or four years. Um, I have tried to get a top tight end um, because of the scoring format. I think still get, there is some, some merit to getting Kelsey or Kittle if you can um, put the right, the right team around them. But I think what I said earlier is 
is probably the key in this discussion, and that would be you have to get extremely lucky if you're going to either go zero RB with all the receivers or throw in the top tight end and then receivers and, and make it. I think because you have to take one of those guys, it looks like Kelsey's going ninth overall, Kittle's 13th. So you have to take them with the first most likely if you want them. And that's the, the opportunity cost is just too great. The second part of that is that, for me, this is a stacked year for tight ends. There's so many guys, especially lottery tickets, that can hit. Um, I mentioned I mentioned a couple of the guys I really like in Jarwin and Fant, but you've also got Hayden Hurst on the new team. He's going to – Gesicki could take a big step forward. Um, Higby, even a guy like Sternberger, um, who is a total unknown, you can get him in the, what, 14th, 15th round, could become a, a viable starter. So um, I'm, I, if, if it were up to me, I would suggest uh, this, this uh, person asking the question to take three or so in the mid to late rounds and just focus on running back and receiver early. Yeah. And, and, and if you get lucky, boy, you have a potential big time exactly. dynamite team. If, if, if you get to the championship round. So certainly good advice right. there from Kevin Scott, Kevin. Hey, this was a treat, man. I, I really appreciate you hopping on tonight. We're all going to follow you on Twitter at Kevin Scott FF. We'll check out the uh, draft plan and the draft packet at the intersecting.com where you can pick that up. And then, uh, obviously, we're, we're going to be looking forward to the podcast with, with you and Kyle Leaf coming up here in the next week or two. Certainly, uh, uh, anybody who's drafting in the FPC or the FFPC main event uh, is going to want to listen to that. Best of luck to you in all your drafts this year, and thanks for uh, co-hosting with me tonight, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. It was, a, it was a blast, and I appreciate you having me on. All right. We'll talk again real soon, dude. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thank you. Kevin Scott FF on Twitter, ladies and gentlemen. Check it out. Kevin Scott, our guest tonight here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Uh, Look for that podcast coming out and certainly check out theintersecting.com. That is going to do it for our show tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I do want to obviously uh, thank our guest tonight, um, Kevin Scott, who I just mentioned, and also Greg Sidoris uh, earlier who popped on to tell us all about uh, really a, a great outlook for the FFPC live events right now. Um, with, uh, you know, things advancing fast to phase four, which is what we're looking for for the FFPC uh, um, opening night kickoff party. That is going to be a blast. And and it seems like um, uh, if you want to come, there's going to be no limitations there. Uh, Check out uh, CasinoConnectionUSA at gmail.com. That is where you can send your uh, emails uh, and questions to Greg about booking your room. If you want to book your room and, and you're not a big, you know, uh, casino games player, do that right at the FFPC website. If you click on main event, uh, scroll to, to the bottom below where all the, the leagues are listed, you're going to get that link right there on that banner. Just click it and you'll be all set and ready to go. You can always talk to Greg at 216-299. Excuse me, 219. I'm just going to start over. 216. 216- Two nine nine five three nine zero. So thanks to Greg, thanks to Kevin Scott, uh, thanks to the FFPC, Rob, Bryce, and of course each and every one of you for popping on on this uh, Thursday edition of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Uh, we will be back live next Friday uh, at ten nine Central, normal time, normal date. 
Uh, seven-time FFPC main event and football guys league champ Mark Davidson will be our guest as Dave rejoins me uh, in the studio. Book those flights and rooms for Las Vegas. Get in on the main event early bird. That is expiring in 11 days. Uh, football guys players championship early bird expiring in five days. Your early weekend starts This has been now. another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. I'm saying hi to all the duties from around the way. Yeah, cause I got all of them strong jack. My girls are like boomerangs. No matter how far I throw them, they come back. I'm coming straight out to NYC. I'm down with digging in the crates, and I'm in I should also mention, too, um, and it goes without saying, I know I said at the top of the show, but <clears throat> best ball swims, best ball standards, Terminators, Superflexes, uh, Dynasty startups, those are all filling. We are filling a ton of Dynasty leagues this year. So if you want to jump in on a Dynasty league, I know we're, we're approaching July and you think, well, Balky, who's getting in Dynasty leagues now? There's actually a lot of people and they're filling up. So don't be shy. If you want to get into a couple more Dynasty leagues before the season starts, MyFFPC.com is where to go. As always, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you again next week with seven-time FFPC main event and football guys league champ Mark Davidson. Be safe, everyone.